Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today is a first. We have somebody on to talk about laundromats. We have about all kinds of business models that we've talked about on this show in the four plus years that we've uh, been doing this. And this is the first time I've ever talked to somebody that has started laundromats and actually has a program surrounding it. His name is Jordan Berry. He has an incredible story. He was a pastor for 15 years. And so he decided to move into business, started his very first laundromat, and it was a horrible success. <laughs> it was, uh, did not work well at all. Uh, they were losing money. And then he decided to buy a second one. But the, his story, guys, of resilience, perseverance is just so incredible that it doesn't even matter if you're interested in laundromats or not. You're going to get a lot from this episode because he just talks about what it's like to take action as an entrepreneur. He did not sit on the sidelines. He pushed through his mistakes, made them, learned from them, and now he teaches and coaches people on how to start and grow a laundromat business, or actually how to buy a laundromat business and grow it. It's so fun. Uh, I love this episode. I learned a ton from him. Here is Jordan. Jordan, welcome to Streams of Income. So glad to have you. Hey, you know what? Thank you, Ryan, for having me on here. Super excited to be here and looking forward to having a good time with you and your hype man, Steven. That's right. Hype man. There you go. That's that's what we'll call it. Um, so Jordan, you have an awesome story. I read your one pager, which is fabulous, by the way, and um, excited to hear about, I mean, to hear it from you personally. So tell us who you are and how you got to where you are. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm in the laundromat space and, you know, as like a lot of kids, as I was growing up, I just dreamt of owning laundromats and you did. washing other people's clothes. You know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. Every, every boy's <laughs> dream. Yeah, 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 everybody. You know, some were the astronaut kids and the rest of us were laundromat kids, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, no, it's like one of those things where you're like, wait, how did I, where am I and how did I get here? Uh, so, so uh, yeah, so I'm married. I have two kids. I'm, I live in Southern California. Uh, I was a youth pastor and a pastor for almost 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, got got to a point in ministry where we had my, my wife and I had two young kids. They were really young at the time, mm-hmm. and ministry is great. I love ministry. Um, I I specifically love youth ministry, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it doesn't pay very well. Well, listen, yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I was not wealthy at the time, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, we we did okay. We we got by. You know, my wife's a teacher, and I was a youth pastor for a while there, and okay. we we're fine. We're happy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, ministry is is great, but it's also uh, it's very it can be very taxing, right? Uh, time wise, your hours aren't always normal hours, right. and you know, you're also being kind of thrust into some of the most difficult moments of people's lives. Yes. Uh, you know, a lot. And so it can just be, it can be taxing yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, having young kids and working weird hours and doing international trips and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all that stuff. It was just, it was time to take a break from working yeah. in ministry vocationally. And so, yeah. you know, when you, uh, you know, when I had, I ended up, I studied physics for three years and then happened to get a job as a youth pastor and my junior year of college, 
And after like three months, I was like, yep, this is, this is it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I stopped my physics degree, transferred schools and did a ministry degree. So I had a ministry degree and like 15 years of ministry experience. And then what do you do in life when you're, you don't want to do ministry as a job anymore? Uh, Jordan, we have a lot of pastors actually listen to this too. And so I hear you about them getting burned out. What did, um, was it a large church? Was it paying you, um, tell me about the, don't, you don't have to go any details you don't want to talk yeah. about, but oh, were you, um, well, tell me about the church and was it a big church? Was it, were you bivocational or was that your full-time thing at the time? Yeah. So that's my full-time thing. The, so I, I worked at over those years, I worked at four different churches. Okay. Uh, I started off at a really small church and then mm-hmm. went to a, I'd say a medium large church in the San Francisco Bay area okay. uh, in Palo Alto for eight years. Uh, and then came back down to Southern California uh, to a large church, okay. uh, probably kind of a mega church. And so okay. I was on a pastoral team there. Okay. Um, and then, so that's when I took a break. Uh, and then I did do one year of like a interim youth ministry position to mm-hmm. kind of cover a gap for another church. Uh, but, but really the decision to leave ministry vocationally happened that third church at that big, big mega church. So I was full time. Sure. Okay. Uh, you know, I was, I don't know, I think I was making 60 or $65,000 a year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rolling in the dough and, uh, <laughs> Especially in Southern California, that's not oh, yeah. very far, does it? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you know, <laughs> like I said, I mean, we were happy. It was, we weren't. We weren't struggling necessarily, but sure. uh, yeah. But money wasn't the the reason to okay. that that I left ministry. Yeah. All right, we don't have to go into all that necessarily. So you yeah, you fine. you made the change, and did you go right into laundromats, or was it something else in the interim? Well, you know, as I was trying to figure out what to do. It was like this identity crisis a yeah. little bit actually. And uh, I was like, okay, listen, we've got a house here in Southern California. We've got two young kids and a little bit of money in the bank. And I was like, why don't we, why don't we take this money? Let's go rent out our house and buy a condo on the beach in Hawaii. And we can do whatever in Hawaii. Like, I don't know, sell jewelry on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, and surf <laughs> in the afternoons. I don't know. Hula dance, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, when our kids are school age, if we want to, we can come back to California and, uh, net gain condo on the beach in Hawaii. And I thought that sounded great. And my wife said we could do that or we could buy a laundromat. And mm-hmm. so I still do not own a condo on the beach in Hawaii to this day, uh-huh. uh, but do own laundromats. So why does she come up with laundromat? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's super out of character for my wife to suggest uh-huh. this actually. Um, but <laughs> How it happened was her, her, if you want to follow me here. So my wife's parents had friends who had a son who okay. worked in tech in the San Francisco Bay area. He's working 78 hours a week, mm-hmm. uh, making good money, but working a lot of hours. And he ended up buying a laundromat mm-hmm. and quitting his tech job and went from working 78 hours a week. And he replaced his income working mm-hmm. five hours a week. Okay. And we were like, oh yeah, like that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, did not work out that way for us, but, uh, that was the idea behind it. Um, and so we went after it. Your, your wife followed that chain. Were you guys investing entrepreneurs and in anything no. prior to? No, 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 no. <laughs> we need, listen, we knew nothing. Like, oh, this will be good for us. That was, that's kind of a yeah. stretch. <laughs> All right. Listen, the theme here is going to be how dumb I am. 
Uh, that's just going to be the theme of this <laughs> episode uh, or my life, I guess. Uh, no, we had we had zero business experience. We had zero investing experience. I knew nothing about real estate investing. I've never read at this point, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I didn't even know the concept of cash flow. Like I knew nothing about, I just was having my, living my best life in ministry, ignorant about finances, essentially. Wow. Um, so we didn't know. And like, we didn't know what we were walking into. And, you know, this is going to, you know, play out and why it was not a great experience for us, uh, initially at least. Uh, you know, but yeah, we had, we had zero, we did not know what we were walking into for sure. I guess. I want to put a caveat to that because you must have had enough financial sense to have the ability to save and get to the position where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing that we, yeah, we did do well is we saved, uh, you know, we, we, we paid off, you know, all like college loans, all our, our student loan debts, all that stuff, like super fast. We, you know, we went after it hard. The only debt we had was our, well, we had none for a long time. And then when we bought a house, it was a mortgage. Sure. Um, so, so I mean, yes. I mean, there was some level of like, we weren't financially irresponsible, but we weren't savvy by any mm. any sense of the word other than we could save money. Oh, so you found that first laundromat. Was that, how do you find a laundromat for sale? Well, so this was nearly a decade ago, but uh-huh. I did pretty much what anybody does these days when- you're trying to find something is you just go to Google and yeah. maybe even at the time Yahoo. I'm not sure. Okay. It might've been Yahoo then. Yeah. Uh, and you go and you type in laundromat for sale near me and nice. you'll you see what's out there. That's awesome. Um, I don't think that that's the best way to do it. Uh, or at least not, you know, not entirely anymore. Um, knowing what I know now, but that's what I did. And I got connected with, found a deal that I liked, reached out to the broker. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to do, as much research as I could, but there really wasn't anything out there at the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, about how to know if a laundromat's a good deal. How do you value a laundromat? You know, what you red flags to look for? Your parents, friends, yeah, son, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did. I had a couple calls with him. Great question. Uh, I did have a couple calls with him, but here's the deal: is that he he bought a really good laundromat the first time around, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome for him. But he really didn't learn anything. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like he kind of like it fell in his lap and he 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 got a good deal. He got a good laundromat right away. Mm. Um, so it's not that he wasn't helpful, he was super helpful, but he just he did not learn the lessons that I was about to learn. Uh and so <laughs> uh, you know, some some people just have to get slapped around a little bit before they learn right. things, right? <laughs> so that's I I am one of those people, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did, I did talk with him and he was helpful, but you know, he only knew what he knew, sure. which was more sort of on the operation side. Mm. Okay. So you bought this business and it started profitably pro- started profiting immensely right away. Right. Yeah. So, so the idea behind buying the laundromat, right. Is have some money coming in. And I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think the pro forma was like five or $6,000 net a month on this. Okay. This is a relatively small laundromat, but like yeah. five or $6,000 net, which, you know, youth pastor salary pretty much replaces it right there. Yes. Um, and uh, that was sort of the pro forma numbers. So the idea was, you know, have cash flow coming in, very little time, you know, commitment. Yeah. Doing it. Yep. Well, when we bought it, we, we pretty much, you know, here's, Mistake number one, probably. I, I probably made mistakes before this, but big mistake number one was 
relying entirely on the one person aside from the seller who stood to gain from me buying the deal, which is the broker. And it just turned out that broker did not have my best interest in mind. So instead of cash flow coming in, very little time commitment, it ended up a lot of time commitment. Wow. And not only no cash flow coming in, we were we were negative money, negative a couple grand at least for right away. Day one. Wow. So um, did the was the numbers did they lie about the numbers or what did yeah. looking back, what um what happened in that deal? Because obviously like five K plus to negative two, there's something there that wasn't your fault. Maybe you didn't do enough due diligence, but they did they lie about the numbers about it, about what was happening? Well, I, <laughs> listen, okay. Remember our theme. I just want you to keep our theme of me not being that smart in mind. And I know like, listen, your, your listeners are going to be way more savvy than me. And so this is, this is embarrassing, but I, I literally, I didn't know anything. Right. And so the broker was like, look, this is what we call in our business a zombie map. Right. And the zombie map's basically a rundown laundromat. Mm. And he's like, look, it's just, we know it's not making money right now. It's breaking even right now. And we're going to put new equipment in here. And so we really don't need to do any due diligence on this thing. Cause we already know it's not making money. It's just breaking even. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, when I took over, it turned out it wasn't breaking even, it was losing money already. And then I was dropping $150,000 on equipment and financing that. And so, you know, basically I was sold the field of dreams business model. If you build yeah. it, they'll come. And, and to an extent they did come actually business, almost doubled when I put in new equipment mm-hmm. with very little effort, but I was already losing money. And then I added a loan on top of that. So I was still negative 2000 plus dollars a month, even after doubling business uh, there. So punching the gut for sure. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. All right. So tell it, keep going from there. So you were looking at some, obviously you turned around somehow because you got an awesome story. I love I mean, I'll let you talk about what you do to fix it. You looked around and didn't find anybody to help you. So you decided to take that on your own, which I'd say is brilliant. Yeah. Well, there's a fine line between brilliant and desperate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's, <laughs> it's a fine line, you know? So, no, but yeah, I mean, I was, okay, listen, there's a stat that floats around. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is, my story is comically embarrassing when... Uh, when you just voice it out loud, right? So, you know, there's there's a stat that floats around out there. To this day, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but it says that 95% of laundromats are successful. And I am just, I felt like I'm standing by myself in the middle of a field looking around like, how am I of all people, you know, because I don't think of myself as somebody who can't figure things out. How yeah. am I of all people in the 5% of people who cannot figure this business out, no matter like I cannot figure it out. I can't figure out how to make money in this easy business. Mm. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was rough, man. And things got real, real rough, real dark on us, mm. uh, there for a little bit. And, you know, most of us know, like if you're in a period where, you know, finances are, are tight, um, or, you know, you have money problems. Well, that creates relational strain also. Yep. Right. And so my life became like this laundromat, right. Wasn't a little wow. bit of time. It was like my entire life now. Cause I'm trying to figure out how do we dig ourselves out of this hole yeah. that we've dug into. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, she, she was shutting down. Like, this is like, it was just too much, you know, that, that 
7,000 plus dollar swing on us. We're expecting to be making money and having time with the family. Yeah. And it was the exact opposite of that. It was wow. just, it was too much. Did you tell her, well, this is your fault for getting us yeah. into this <laughs> every day? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this was your idea, honey. Idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to point fingers, but I wanted to be living in Hawaii right now. <laughs> There were many nights where I was like working after closing on the stupid laundromat, trying to get this thing going. Yeah. And I'm like, I could be sitting on a beach in Hawaii right now. Like, <laughs> uh, but it got to a point like really where we were having a hard time even communicating mm. uh, with each other just on anything because it was just, there was too much stress, too much tension. And mm. I, I literally couldn't focus on anything except for, how do we get out of this? Yeah. Um, and my we, and we handled it very differently too. My wife was like, let's just cut bait and mm. you know, lick our wounds and figure something else out. And I was like, we <laughs> listen, I refuse to be in the five percent of people who couldn't figure this out. <laughs> like, I will not be in that. Partly that, and partly if we're just gonna be, you know, honest here and stay on stay on our theme, I was I didn't know how to get out. Like you know, we bought this business, we invested money in this equipment. And now I'm just like, well, is it going to cost me like 50 grand just to get out of this business? Like, I don't, I, I genuinely don't know how to get out. Like I can't sell it for what I I'm underwater on it right now. Mm-hmm. Who's going to buy it from me? It's losing money. Right. And so I didn't know how to get out either. Um, so we bought another one, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, my, listen, my thought process was this, <laughs> we're staying on target. We're staying on theme here. That's right. What's the chances of getting two that are exactly. not? Exactly. Come on. <laughs> Turns out it's not the laundromats. It's the people who buy them though. Not, the, not the success rate to the laundromat. So, <laughs> uh, you know, my thought process was like, okay, look, we've made all the mistakes now. I know, I know everything I need to know. And so we bought another one and, you know, through a series of weird events, which we can go into if you want to, but the general idea is things took longer and took a weird turn on us. And we didn't make all the mistakes on the first one. There were more mistakes to be made. (laughs) uh, It's the long story short there. And so that one also did not do nearly what we thought it was going to do through some deception from the seller and the broker. I mean, it was, Mm. it, it was ugly uh there too so it did not make up for that was the idea it was like let's just buy another one it'll make up for the losses sure the first one right well really what it did was it divided my attention and made it even more difficult oh my god yes that's another big mistake yeah uh there when you're in a hole don't dig another one yeah real quick about the deception though like um obviously you can't necessarily you can't control that so now that you know and maybe you'll get to this if I was wanting to start a laundromat, are yeah. there are there things that I can do to look into it to make sure I catch that deception? Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, listen. Number one thing I would like if I could have, if my me back then could have mm-hmm. a fifteen minute conversation with me okay. now, it would save me six figures. Okay. Easy. Like quick. Fifteen minutes. Like you know what I mean. Like. That's all it would take. So, so either I want to just jump in two yeah. seconds here because you said this a couple of times about just um, you, you've always the word <clears throat> dumb, but I think I'm a hype man. You would go just reframe that to where ignorance was what it was because if you're saying was. 15 years ago you just didn't have the knowledge to now where you have the knowledge with 15 minutes would have made the difference. Yeah, 
it is just the knowledge that you're looking for. So I just want to uh, yeah. reframe that. But I, I want to say that in your ignorance, the amount of action that you took, I think is something that a lot of people miss. Yes. They just like down themselves a bunch. But I think there's something to be said about action. Even if through your story, taking that action and not working out, I mean, that's, I think entrepreneur doers, mostly that's what happens is they go into something. It doesn't quite turn out the way that they want. It's way down. You have to spend a lot of time, energy, and effort trying different things to figure it out. You bought another laundromat, learned another lesson. But I think that's the journey to get to where you're at now and just having the experience to where if you did meet somebody that was in that predicament, it takes a handful of minutes to fix it because of the knowledge that you've gained through all of those trials and tribulations and ups and downs. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I appreciate you saying that, but I just want to point out to everybody who's listening to this and not watching this is that Steven's just been there laughing the entire time as <laughs> yeah. I'm saying this. So he's, he's well, sounding real good. It, I'm currently going through something yeah. very similar. Okay. 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 I'll give you that. I'll just... and pie in the face and just like, oh, okay. Yeah. This yeah, is, yeah he's yeah. not laughing at you for sure. Yeah. This, I just don't want resonates. everybody thinking he's this great guy over here. who's really hyping me up while he's really laughing on camera. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, he does. He laughs a lot. He smiles. He's a happy guy. So, yeah. Well, no. So, I mean, I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, and here's, here's the thing is like, I do, so I do a lot of consulting now because my, my goal is like, listen, nobody should ever have to learn the lessons I learned the way that I learned them. Right. I'll just tell you. Uh, right. Yeah. So that's where like laundromat resource comes in. We can talk about that later, but, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about, you know, kind of what you're saying that is, it's so, it's so important, but you know, I do all these consulting calls and, and people are like, you know, I've been thinking about buying a laundromat for 10 years or, you know, and same with like real estate, right? I've been thinking about buying a rental property for years and stuff. And you're like, well, why haven't you, you know, yes. but you know, like I have a little empathy. I have a lot of empathy actually, because of what I went through, like I would not want to go through again. I would not want anybody else to go through. And so I get like that fear of not wanting to take the action. And it's very comfortable to listen to a podcast or to watch YouTube videos or to take a course or whatever, and just like learn, 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 and not take the action. Because if you're doing, if you're just doing the learning, you're not going to experience the pain, right? Of failing and it's painful. Um, and so I have a lot of empathy for that, right? However, if you have any kind of goals, for your life, or if you have a desire for financial freedom, or if you have a you know desire to leave your nine to five job, or if you want bigger and better things for your family, or you want some generational wealth, any of that stuff, right? Like if you have any kind of goals like that, you cannot get there without taking the action. Right. And so your number one goal, if you haven't done anything yet, is take the first step. Like it's gonna be scary. And guess what? There's gonna be pain, you know, coming down the pipeline. It's going to happen. It happens to everybody, right? It's like a rite of passage almost for anybody who's successful. You've got to experience some failure and some pain. However, you can persevere through that. There is another side, you know, after that, and you will be a different person. Like I'm a different person than I was like almost yes. weirdly a different person, right? But it's because I've, of what I've gone, that's gone through the fire, right? Like you've, mm. you, you've, been refined, right? And you've learned lessons that are so valuable, lessons that, you know, you can't get almost any other way. Um, and so you got to find a way to take that first action step and right. not be afraid of failing. Because even if you do fail, 
or even when you do fail or if, right? Like that's not the end of the story, right? Right. It's just a step in the process. So So I love, I love that you brought that up. You're still a preacher, Jordan. (laughs) That's so true. I mean, it's, that's a really good word, honestly. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So now you got two, so you got two laundromats now and they're both not doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. So that second one was a, it was a seller finance deal, off market seller finance deal with the real estate. Okay. And uh, honestly, I mean, having the real estate with it uh, made the deal much more palatable (laughs) than if it would have just been the laundromat. And, you know, essentially the seller, you know, all of this is on me. Like this is, you know, everything I'm saying, yes, there's people that lied to me and all that stuff. Right. But it's all on me you know, ultimately. So I'm not trying to blame the seller in this, but the seller basically covered over the fact there was a brand new large one being built half a mile away uh, that mm-hmm. was going to offer free dry and all these promotions. And it opened the day that I took over. Um, and because mm-hmm. of how the process of due diligence and all that played out, I didn't know because I did all my due diligence on the front end and then things got stretched out. And so I didn't know mm-hmm. I should have done it again, but I know that now. Can I just uh, add but, timeline? Yeah. How long did it take you to purchase that first one? How long did you own that first one before purchasing the second? All right. Well, we're staying on staying on brand here, staying on theme. So the first one took probably three months for, or four months or so. I mean, this is like almost a decade ago. So I'm mm-hmm. this is ballparking. I want to sure. say three to five months, somewhere in there, from when we first started looking to when we actually bought it. To buy the second one, I want to say we were like seven or eight months into the first one. So we were not even like halfway to daylight on that first one in terms of coming to the break-even point. Uh, we saw a long were way to starting go. to turn around? Is that why you were looking for another? I, well, I wasn't looking for another. It just The deal just got brought to me. And so, you know, I mean, one thing that happens, and this is like true in real estate. This is true if you're buying a laundromat or any other kind of business. Is after you buy your first one, get in the game. Op- opportunities open up. To you. you don't even have to be good. Like I was like probably, I kind of half joke, but I kind of also maybe think this, that I was like the world's worst laundromat owner. Like at that point, like, like <laughs> there could not have been anybody worse than me. Uh, and you know, but it almost doesn't matter, right? Like if you get in the game and you get that first deal, then people are like, oh, you own laundromats. Like, oh, here's here's a deal I found. Or like, you own laundromats. Sure, we'll give you 100% financing on equipment. You're a laundromat <laughs> owner. You got to know what you're doing. Everybody succeeds in this business, right? <laughs> like, uh, And I'm like, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't like seven or eight months, I think, is from when we bought our first one to when we bought the second one. And that was brought to you? That was brought to me through a broker who had <clears throat> basically a pocket listing, essentially, and then and then seller finance, both on the laundromat and on the property. Wow. Awesome. All right. So you got those two now. And then so what, what point do you start getting desperate for help and you start your own online resource? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm desperate for help, basically, Dave. <laughs> Three when I really well, actually day one a funny story day uh-huh. one first day in there walking uh-huh. into the laundromat by myself and I walk uh-huh. in and there is a woman doing her laundry there uh-huh. she's doing all of her laundry like ev- all of it like she was completely naked 
uh, doing what? all of her laundry. <laughs> oh my god! And I was like, "What did I? What did I? What did I do? Where am I now? <laughs> what happened to my oh life?" My gosh. Uh, and so yeah, so yeah. At, pretty much after that, I'm like, okay, somebody needs to. I feel like I was some things were left out here, uh, but yeah, I mean that desperation mode kicked in pretty much right away. But I, I mean, I didn't start doing like laundromat resource or or any of that stuff for a while still because I was figuring things out right, and I was yeah. I was desperately like trying to set anybody who could help me, and I could not find there was really no online resources. There a lot of owners. This this industry has a very had and is this is shifting which i'm super happy about but had very closed mindset uh there and so owners just didn't want to help other owners um so it wasn't until i was probably five years into the journey maybe even six years into the journey until i was like hey now i have some very expensive lessons that I've learned and I've started hearing some other stories, particularly about the broker that I worked with, but also other people in the industry yeah. uh, who've had similar experiences or maybe not quite as bad, but you know, similar experiences. And so I just started a little blog uh, to share, you know, like, Hey, here's how you buy a laundromat and how you value it. Right. Like, yeah. And that turned into a YouTube channel because writing's really difficult. takes a long time. Uh, and then, uh, I was like, you know what, if I really want to be good myself and help other people be good, I should talk to the people who are really good in this mm-hmm. industry who are already killing it. And so that's where the podcast came in, where that's I interview awesome. owners and industry professionals there. My gosh. And now you got 19,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel, 19,300. That's yeah. Crazy. Is that where we're at right now? That's yeah. what it says. I'm on there right now. Laundromat resource is the channel at laundromat resource. That's an, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, I'm, it's awesome. And you know, the podcast is great like it's just kind of funny to have like a laundromat podcast it's so weird right and but it you know it's been awesome the podcast has grown incredibly it's a top one percent in the nation that's incredible what's because you're so niched down there's probably hardly any competition like you are the laundromat guy yeah well it's funny because i think like six or seven of the guests that i've had on the podcast podcasts have spun off their own laundromat podcast now there's quite a few of them okay uh, which i think is great you know i think it's great because there's there's been such a drought for information and knowledge and sharing that you almost can't you can't water the industry enough with you know some of this nourishment here because there just hasn't been any uh i mean how many laundromats do you personally own now well it's a funny question because you're hitting me at a very funny time in my journey where i've actually been selling off laundromat so i'm down to one right now um with the goal of actually building up a huge portfolio of laundromats Um, but in order to do that number one i need to extract myself from the operations yes uh, of these laundromats and uh you know the goal is to is to probably raise some capital and and go after it big you know tell us what's an example like somebody listening that wants to own i want to definitely talk about laundromat resource and the services you offer there um tell us about the like the finances of a laundromat what would be you know if you're in the 95 percent that are successful if that's a true stat which sounds amazing that's like if that's really true that's incredible even if it was 75 percent, that's a good number Um, that's probably a more accurate well it's probably higher than i would if i was to guess I'd mm-hmm. say it's probably higher than 75, but lower than 95. Okay. So if you're guess. talking to somebody like, I'm interested, give me an idea of like how much it would, I, I know it 
varies widely. You're in Southern California, so it may be more expensive than it would be in some small town in middle America. But what are some of the finances? How much would somebody expect to make um, owning one? And what what kind of work, how much time is involved? Yeah. So here's here's what I love about laundromats. Okay. So I I have real estate. I've got commercial real estate. I've got residential real estate. I love real estate. Um, and and actually, I got kind of hooked on real estate working on my laundromat, where I started listening to podcasts while I was working on stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, that's where I was sort of introduced to the concept of you know financial freedom through real estate investing, uh, which uh, I think is great. However, uh, when we talk financial freedom and we talk like leaving your nine to five job. We're talking cash flow, right? That's what we need in order to achieve that freedom and leave your job if that's your goal. And the thing about real estate is the average real estate deal cannot touch the average laundromat deal when it comes mm. to cash flow. Okay. And so there was some point along the journey where I was like, oh man, like I actually accidentally stumbled into a much faster way to replace your income than than real estate. And so my my sort of philosophy for myself and sort of what I recommend to a lot of people is go buy something like a laundromat first to get that cash flow. If your goal is to like leave your 9 to 5 job or have that financial freedom or the, you know, quote unquote FU money or whatever, like go get that in a business like a laundromat that's not going to require all your time do it the right way, uh, which we can talk about, but, uh, you know, do that because for a laundromat, for example, if you're, if you're, if you're going to buy a real estate for cash flow, right. You know, maybe like a, you're going to get like a 10% return on your money, uh, with real estate. That's pretty hard to find right now. Even, I mean, you can find that you can find a little more than that, but maybe like an average deal, we'll mm-hmm. call it 10%, right. Yeah. But for a laundromat, I mean, you're looking at a 20 to 25% return on your investment. And that's a base hit deal and that's unleveraged. That's without a loan. So if you bought it all cash, you're looking at 20 to 25%. Wow. Um, and then obviously if you leverage appropriately with a loan, uh, I mean, those numbers can go up from there, you know, 35, 50 plus percent sometimes. Wow. Um, What's an average laundromat cost? Like, again, I know it's going to vary yeah. widely, but what would you expect somebody to to pay for one? Yeah. So, I mean, there's laundromats that you can buy for, $50,000 and there's laundromats that you can buy for seven figures plus. Okay. Um, so uh, I think a better way to approach it, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can throw you like a ballpark average, maybe like three fifty to mm-hmm. 400,000 if, yep. you know, if I had to kind of pin it down for an average. Um, but I think a better way to approach it is actually to kind of back into that valuation and say, okay, well, what, what's my income number need to be? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you need what, $10,000 a month, mm-hmm. um, then you can, you know, you can back into a valuation just by utilizing, you know, the, the way that you value a laundromat, which is based on the net income. Right. So, or, you know, going back to our theme, let's say you need a hundred thousand dollars a year just to make uh-huh. it easier. Yeah. Right. So, uh, the, you know, in order to value a laundromat, you take your net income and then you apply a multiple to it. And that multiple, it used to be maybe 18 months to two years ago, used to be on average three and a half to five times the net income. Okay. Now we're seeing a, a shift up a little bit. So I call it more like four to five and a half times wow. uh, multiple. Um, so, you know, if you need $100,000 of net income, 
then you know you need somewhere uh, a laundromat somewhere between you know four hundred thousand to five hundred fifty thousand dollars probably um, for that. Um, but what's so great about laundromats is, you know, I started doing the math on on the real estate when I was listening to these podcasts, and they're like, yeah, you can get like two hundred dollars a door, and then I was like, oh, awesome! Wait a second, that's like a lot of doors I need to replace my income. And I'm yeah. a pastor. Like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a lot, you know, like, um, and then, uh, you know, I started realizing like, you really only need one to maybe three laundromats to replace probably 99% of America's salary, right. Yeah. Is you can replace that income with one to three laundromats. Yes. Uh, so it, you can see where it can get really, uh, really exciting, really quickly if your goal is that financial freedom um, number. And then, you know, when it comes to time investment, listen, it's not passive. And, you know, I I always say like, listen, if you're dealing with people or you're dealing with machines, you're going to have problems and laundromats have a lot of both, right? So problems come up and there's a, it's a business, it's a business to manage. But if you look on like a, a scale of completely passive to completely active, Uh definitely laundromats definitely can be on the, on the, passive far on the passive side of things. Mm So, you know, just to kind of give a ballpark, you know, if you're, if you're buying a self-serve laundromat, uh, where people come in and do their laundry at your laundromat, what you think of for a laundromat, usually you're looking at maybe five to maybe 10 hours a week, uh, to manage that business. Um, that, that number can get bigger if you want it to, or, if you start adding services like a pickup and delivery um, mm. while you're scaling that up, but then also you can get to a scale even on the service side of things to where now you can add another level of management there. And so your time actually can go back down again yeah. um, with a, with a bigger business there. So mm. depends on how you set it up and all that, but you know, I'd say five to maybe 10 hours is what you're looking at. What do you do with that? What's those five to 10 hours? What are the, what are the tasks? That. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a little bit, you know, so still today, a lot, most laundromats, I would say, are still cash-based coin okay. coin laundromats. Um, we finally are starting to jump on board with digital payment options, which, mm-hmm. you know, we're, you know, we, we're just, we're like a sloth riding a tortoise <laughs> walking through molasses, you know, right. like, that's <laughs> what we do, technologically speaking. But uh, over the last like two years, we've we've adopted a lot more technology probably than we have for five decades combined before that. Um, so we're we're starting to catch up here. Um, but still, most laundromats are are coin based. So a big chunk of that time is you collecting and counting coins. Wow! Uh, don't count them by hand. Use like a scale or a counter. Yes. But um, you're you're doing that. Um, you know, if you have. Uh, like employees there or or like a cleaner you're you're managing that employee making sure they're doing the things that they're supposed to do mm-hmm. um, you're either fixing machines or you're coordinating with uh, a mechanic to make sure they're coming in to fix machines that go down because machines do yeah. go down um, you're handling any issues that come up like you know people put like a bent quarter in the machine and mm-hmm. then they've put in like $4 already and then they put a bent quarter in and then they can't put anything else in. It's stuck in there. And so you, you know, you're handling stuff like that, or ideally you're setting it up to where you have somebody who's handling those kind of issues for you. Yeah. Um, you know, some people choose to 
repair or clean their own laundromat. Uh, and so that, that can add more time, you know, to your schedule, but those are the kinds of things you're doing. And then there's, you know, keeping books, which you should do, which we're not traditionally good at in our industry. Uh, maybe doing some marketing or hiring a marketing company, depending on the size of your laundromat. Interesting. Wow. This is cool. so cool, Jordan. We never had anybody to talk about a laundromat before on my podcast. So this is fun. I could get all <laughs> kinds of questions. I could talk for hours just thinking through, you know, ideas or whatever. But tell us about um, laundromat resource, what you guys do and what that looks like, how somebody can get involved with that. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, this laundromat resource, like I, I said, it, it evolved out of the darkness, the depths, right? The hole that I dug <laughs> next to the other hole that I dug that I was kind of trading my time sitting in right. each of those holes. I had like a tunnel between the two holes so I could go uh-huh. back and forth, you know, <laughs> without coming up for air. Uh, you know, but that's, I mean, it came out of that, right? And it was just like, listen, this, you know, this, this business can be great, but it is a cash business still mostly. And so with that comes a lot of gotchas. And there's a lot of like, if you don't know, then you don't know. And you probably don't know to know. Right. And so that that's what laundromat resources birthed out of. Um, and so that turned into, you know, I mean, we've got a blog where there's tons of information there. Uh, we've got the YouTube channel, obviously, where we've got tons of information there on how to buy a laundromat or what to look for. Uh, there's tons of videos on, uh, from just from interviews, uh, of, people in the industry, other owners, other people in the industry um, that are just sharing their successes, their failures, lessons that they've learned. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the podcast there. Um, we've got, you know, we've got a free course that's uh, how to buy your first laundromat. And it's, you know, three lessons long. It's going to give you all the basics you need on how to find a laundromat, how to value a laundromat, and then how to do due diligence on that laundromat. And then we've got a more much more comprehensive course on uh, on how to buy a laundromat that has a lot more detail into uh, involved in it, and also um, has uh, like all the tools and resources you need also to do that. So, I mean, there's a ton of stuff over there at laundromatresource.com uh, that you can check out, or just Google laundromat resource. We're all over. That's the place. so cool. Yeah, guys, go to laundromatresource.com. Um, like we need a couple minutes afterwards just to kind of hang out with you outside of <laughs> outside of recording. Um, Jordan, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience about just your journey or you you dropped a bunch of awesome knowledge about just business and even if you have no interest in laundromats, like this has been helpful just to hear your story, the ups and the downs, and the, the your perseverance and your taking action. Um, even when you do didn't understand what you were doing, you you are quintessential entrepreneur you're taking action even when you didn't have all the knowledge and you had some bumps and bruises and everybody that's an entrepreneur can understand all that and identify with that so this has been helpful yeah thanks no i mean i would just probably leave it with this like there's there's the way that i learn things and you can learn things that way uh but i would just say listen whatever it is that you're trying to get into real estate investing i mean you know you guys are here sharing this information on you know on how to invest or how to buy businesses, all, all this stuff, right? It's you guys are here doing that, right? And and you have so much knowledge and stuff, you know, to give to people too. So, you know, whenever what whatever you're trying to get into, especially if you're at that point where you're like trying to take that first step and it's hard. Like I don't want to minimize like how hard taking that first step is, but that first step gets a lot easier if you're doing it with somebody who's already 
done it. Yes. Right. And so skip all the headaches, skip all of the, all of the pain of learning and just borrow other people's pain and experience. Right. And, you know, reach out to these guys um, or anybody who, you know, comes on the podcast or anybody who's in the space that you're trying to get into and just shortcut all of those learning experiences. And I mean, you're going to go so much farther, so much faster by doing that. And I just wish that that's like my one big, like if I could go back and do something different, Uh the, the one thing that I would do different is just shortcut all of the pain that I went through and like, don't get into the business until I find somebody who's willing to help me Uh get into it the right way the first time. Uh Cause really, I mean, if you're getting like 20 to 25% return on your money, sky's the limit. If you get one base hit deal, like you can just, you can just roll that into whatever you more real estate or another laundromat or like whatever you want to do at that point. And once you hit that financial freedom number, the world opens up to you. right you have a lot more options and so do it right the first time borrow other people's experience and knowledge uh and and shortcut the pain that's good great advice guys go to laundromatresource.com jordan thanks so much for being on with us man appreciate it i appreciate you guys having me on been great bye bye everyone see you next week